thanks for connecting with our online content at Holy Trinity Church in Richmond. We really hope that what we share with you will be a blessing and will help you to continue to grow in your knowledge and love of God. sermon notes there to follow along. You're probably going to need them this morning as we work through this psalm together, which is a familiar psalm, a favourite psalm for many of us. Uh, There's something that sets our hearts at ease about familiar things, isn't there? I think of that feeling when you walk in the door after some time away from home on holiday. I don't know about you, but for me there's a real sense of comfort about coming home again. I've enjoyed my time away on the holiday, but I think most of us, when we are asked, say, it's nice to be home. I expect that for most of us, Psalm 23 feels a little bit like coming home. It's a place of familiarity. Many of us can recite it from memory. We've heard it at funerals. We've prayed it. We've sung it. We know this psalm, don't we? As we open it today, it's my hope that coming to the familiar will give us great courage and set us at ease in what is a very uneasy world. Where many are fearful, we'll see again that we have nothing to fear. As we walk through the psalm, we are going to start with the dominant image of God as shepherd, before we shift gears and look at God as host, and then we'll see how both of these ideas are amplified in the Lord Jesus. That's where we're going this morning. Why don't we pray? Father God, we ask again that you would speak to us by your word. We thank you that you are a good shepherd who will take us on right paths. And so we pray this morning that as we open your word, our feet would be on a firm foundation. Lord, would you help us to trust in your promises more than our fears? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. At verse 1, you know where this is going. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. It's a glorious testimony, but it's an unusual testimony. Israel looks at God as their shepherd. He's the shepherd of their nation. And through his leadership, he has constantly fulfilled his promise to take care of his people. And he's revealed himself to them to be full of love and compassion, to be patient with them, to be faithful to them, and to be forgiving towards them. The image of the shepherd is also used of kings and rulers, and not just in the life of Israel, but right across the ancient Near East. For a king or even a pagan god to be called a shepherd wasn't unusual. What is unusual here is that David speaks of the shepherd personally. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, on this side of the cross, I think it's hard for us to understand just how radical that testimony is. We're used to a close and personal God, aren't we? He lives with us by his Holy Spirit. It's our default position. But it wasn't the default position of Israel or those living in the ancient Near East. Pagan deities were fickle and distant. They didn't relate to humanity with generosity. You had to coax good things from them. This is one of the things that sets Yahweh apart so clearly. He is a God who relates to people for their good. The shepherd is a beautiful metaphor. The shepherd is the one who the sheep look to and follow. The shepherd has that caring responsibility. 
the shepherd endures hardship so that the sheep might thrive. David knew it. He got what this was about. He'd been a shepherd boy himself. And under the care of this shepherd, the God of Israel, nothing was lacking. There's an emphasis on provision and rest in verse 2. Last week we considered the destructive power of envy, of looking at things and wanting things that we don't have. Remember, it almost cost another psalm writer, Asaph, his faith. But David's trust lies in stark contrast. I lack nothing. Everything he needs is supplied by God, represented here by green pastures and plentiful waters. In his amazing care for these sheep, the shepherd finds them a place of safety and plenty. This is a world where sheep are moved constantly. They're moved from place to place in search of patches of pasture where there might have been water or pools of water in rocky crags. And so in that kind of environment, how good is this image? How wonderful is the provision of God? In him, what they need is provided. There is no need to strive and strain and struggle, no need to keep wandering restlessly from place to place. They can lie down and rest. King Hammurabi of Babylon made the boast that he had done that for his people. I have sought for them peaceful places. I have made the people of all settlements lie in safe pastures. But David's God, our God, goes much further. He provides refreshment for the soul, verse 3, and guides us along right paths. Now, this isn't about leading to moral purity, although God does do that, doesn't he? He's given us the gift of his Holy Spirit to convict us of sin and show us righteousness. He is leading the way when we stray. But this leading here along right paths is a leading along a safe pathway. It's a demonstration of the competence of the shepherd. He can spot the best path, the path that is sure. God's faithfulness is reaffirmed for his name's sake to show what he is like, to reinforce our trust in him and who God claims to be. He will lead us on right paths. He will absolutely do what he's promised because that's who he is. He is trustworthy and faithful. His path is solid and secure. And that will be true in even the hardest and toughest and most difficult moments of our lives. And because of that, we have nothing to fear. Verse 4, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. It's a promise that God had made time and time again to be with his people. He made that promise to Jacob in Genesis chapter 28. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. He'd made it to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1. Do not be afraid for I am with you and will rescue you. He made it to the people of Judah in Jeremiah 15. To the exiles in Babylon, Isaiah 41. To the exiles returning from Babylon in Haggai chapter 13, uh, 113. It's a promise that he gave to the early church as they were harried and hunted and scattered across the world. In that time, 
when Christians lived under the threat of prison and death, they were encouraged by the promises retold in Matthew 28.20. I am with you always to the very end of the age. And God made a similar promise in Acts 18.10. For I am with you. No one's going to attack you and harm you because I have many people in this city. There is nothing we need to fear. Even in the darkest times. Even over these past two years as we lived with COVID-19 and Omicron's on the doorstep. Because God is with us. I hope that's a relief. I think often we're pretty good at seeing God in the good times, aren't we? And believing that he's with us when things are going well. We attribute good fortune to God. We feel like he's pleased with us when we do well or something just slots into place. Uh, Often people will talk about a God moment where there's been a positive house sale that happened quickly or they've got a job offer they were hoping for or maybe even there's been a recovery from illness. But here, we're reminded that God is no less with us in the dark times and the hard moments. I think we're tempted to feel like God lets go when it's tough. And that is spiritually exhausting, isn't it? We fall into patterns of religion at that point rather than living in our faith. God is not only near us when things are good. He is with us and near us and guiding us when things are hard. God is a wonderful shepherd, providing all that we need and walking near us when things are good and bad. And he's also a host, inviting us into the most wonderful future with him. In verses 5 to 6, David looks to a glorious future. It's an amazing banquet that's been prepared, a never-ending feast. That table is ready, and those who are God's people are treated as honored guests. As they enter, their heads are anointed with a special perfumed oil that's poured on them, and the things to enjoy at the banquet are overflowing. There is bounty and plenty, and God is giving his very best to his children. At that same banquet, God will vindicate his people. The feast and the honoring and the giving of all the good things happens in the presence of enemies. The ones who have rejected and harmed and hurt and scoffed and mocked are there. The proud and the arrogant, the mean and the abusive, the cruel and the cold who've refused to have hearts shaped and changed by the Lord Jesus will see the satisfaction that the meek and the lowly, the rescued sheep, enjoy in the presence of God. In that picture, the psalmist draws comfort knowing that God's love and presence will be constant. They are absolute, they are eternal, they are safe, they are guaranteed. It's a huge change from the experience of this life, isn't it? Think about David, who's been pursued by enemies, who's lived under dark shadows. But his eternal future in God's provision is safe. He will inherit abundance and never-ending protection and safety. God's loving care follows David through this life and into eternity. The psalmist does not say that our cup will always be full or that our heads will always be anointed with oil. But we do have the promise that God's benefits will be our lifelong companion. He is with us. And that promise 
is made even bigger. It's magnified or amplified in the Lord Jesus. Now, in the text, uh, we've looked at this idea of the God as host, and there's not an explicit parallel in John 10. So I'm not going to try and wrestle something into that passage that isn't there. Jesus only refers to himself as a shepherd. But I think it's helpful if we're thinking about God as host to think about the kind of work Jesus is doing as the gate to the sheep in the pen in verses 7 to 10, just before the piece that we had read this morning. There he's providing safety and protection for the sheep. Robbers and thieves have come to try and carry them off, but Jesus makes them safe. He is a gate, and he tells us that whoever enters in through him will be saved, verse 9. But he's also hauling these different sheep from different folds together. We see it in verse 16. He is working there to unify and bring back together a new people who are faithful to God from outside the bounds of Israel. In this pen, there might be Romneys and Perindales and Texels and Gisales, all in the same flock in the Lord Jesus. He is gathering together to himself a new community. It's a motley flock with mixed abilities and different strengths and weaknesses and flaws, and it is this flock that he welcomes to the banquet. The God of Israel is in giving a wonderful future that David hadn't even envisaged. It's a wonderful future with God for the people of Israel, but it goes beyond that. They will enjoy his gracious provision at the heavenly feast, but in Jesus, that hope is amplified. The shepherd will go even further. See, the future entry point isn't just limited to Israel. It is more wonderful and encompassing than David had ever imagined. In the Lord Jesus, any and all who come in by him are welcomed and seated at the table of God. Any and all who put their trust in his death and resurrection will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And it is that foundational truth, the truth which we believe as Christian people, which dispels fear. God the Father, through the Lord Jesus, is gathering people to himself. We know he's committed it, don't we, to it, don't we? Look at our church. We are from different backgrounds, different ethnicities. We're different ages. We've got different styles that we like. And we are all gathered together around the same Lord. This dispels the fear we face as well when we think about sharing the good news because we know that God is in the business of gathering these sheep into himself. It's another truth which dispels fear, fear of rejection or exclusion. It is wonderful, life-giving news at a time where sharp dividing lines are being drawn between people because of race or gender or faith or even vaccination status in the world we live in. In Jesus, God is a host who is still welcoming people into the fold that he will shepherd as the good shepherd. What we've seen David proclaim is absolutely right and true. God was his shepherd and host. He had nothing to fear in his lifetime or his future because Yahweh was with him. David, who lived in a world of violence where disease was fatal, where life was uncertain, had nothing to fear because God was with him. 
And that trust which casts out fear is amplified even more for those of us who put our trust in the Lord Jesus. In John 10, he's been getting a pretty rough time from the Pharisees if you look at the preceding chapters. And this is a Jewish sect which prided themselves on shepherding people. They thought as leaders they were helping people to walk on right paths. And so what they did is they hedged the law. They built fences around the law of God with rules upon rules upon rules until keeping those rules became so paramount that their religion was more important than their relationship with God. They haven't been good shepherds. They have burdened the people of God, oppressing them with this religious form which they value so highly. Jesus likens them to hired hands who care more for themselves than the sheep they're supposed to care for and protect. When danger comes, they flee. But Jesus is completely different. Three times he shows us just how different In verses 11 and 15 and 17, what does he say? I lay down my life for the sheep. He doesn't harm or hurt the sheep. He doesn't flee when danger comes. He protects the sheep. And the sense of the text is that he actually draws the danger away from the sheep and towards himself to make them safe. In 2010, Australian Corporal Daniel Kerrin was on active duty in Afghanistan. At 9.13 a.m., his patrol walked along an aqueduct at the eastern edge of Derapet, and Taliban insurgents opened fire with small arms and heavy machine guns from several different positions, including another aqueduct which was only 100 metres away. They were very close. With little regard for his own safety, he deliberately and repeatedly drew intense enemy fire away from other members of his patrol. Despite the enemy bullets biting into the dirt at his feet, he returned fire and provided critical information about the insurgents' positions, putting himself at risk. As a result, he was awarded the Victoria Cross. For the most conspicuous acts of gallantry and extreme devotion to duty and action in circumstances of great peril. He drew intense enemy fire away and brought it to himself. Friends, that is what the good shepherd is like. With nails biting into his hands, he drew enemy fire away from us. By pouring out his blood on our behalf, he provided the protection that saves us from sin. He paid the price for our wrongdoing securing eternal rest for all who would enter in by him. In the darkest valley, with death taking him in its icy grip, his trust in the promise of his heavenly father was absolute. He knows his father, verse 15, and so he gives his life for the sake of the sheep. He lays down his life trusting that the love of his father for him will be sufficient, even in the face of death. He lays down his life for the sheep. He isn't just a good shepherd. He is the greatest shepherd. And so in times of trouble, where else can we put our trust? This wonderful, familiar psalm is such a gift to us, isn't it? 
in a time of great uncertainty in our world where fear is palatable. At the heart of this psalm, we hear it in its original context, that God will be with us. We do not need to fear. And that is amplified in the Lord Jesus, where we can see that there is nothing for us to fear if we put our trust in him. God is with us in the moments of joy and the moments of terror. If our faith is in him, we have absolutely nothing to fear because we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, secure under the care of Jesus, our good shepherd. Why don't we pray? Father God, we thank you for your goodness to us and the way that you honour your promise that you are with us. Lord, thank you that in the Lord Jesus that promise is amplified and that you even give us the Holy Spirit who dwells in us and with us at all times. Lord, there are times where we are prone to worry, where we are prone to fear. We pray that by your Spirit you'd help us to remember the truths in this passage that you are with us, that you are our shepherd, that you will host us in the future at a glorious and never-ending banquet. Lord, we pray that you would spur us on to share the same truth with those who don't yet know you, that they too might enter into the sheepfold and come to know you as their shepherd, Lord and Saviour. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. If you'd like to connect with more of our online content at Holy Trinity in Richmond, you can do that by going to our YouTube page simply by searching for Richmond Anglican Aotearoa. You can also touch base with us online at our website or on Facebook by searching with those same words. Friends, we're so thankful that you've joined us online and that you're enjoying our content. We really do hope and pray that God is blessing you through it. If you've got any feedback, you can touch base with me, zane at richmondparish.nz. Thanks so much for listening. Music